Paging Dr. Seiler, Paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life savings draining away, the Stock Doctor's Prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's Prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including but not limited to wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available. And right here, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. And welcome to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I'm Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor. In the house, we have the full cast of characters. We have this Justin, Justin Kenny. We have the fiscal therapist, Jerry Bocart, and our megalennial, Nikki Ward. We have a lot to go over today in this short hour. But uh, I know why you're listening. You're listening because... You want to try and make sense of what's going on around you in the market because you're so used to seeing your statement. You're so used to seeing your looking on your little apps on your phones and saying, oh, I made another $700 today. Oh, I made another $2,000 today. Oh, I made this this week. Oh, everything's so great because sometimes stocks go down. It does happen. It does happen. Sometimes. So we, we are in corrective phase, folks. It happens. And we're going to talk about how often it happens and how not so often it's happened recently in recent history. But you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription, and we are here on the Florida Man Radio Network. We're going to talk about the Fed because that has a lot of bearing what's going on. We are going to talk about the NASDAQ, which is its worst January since 08. We're going to talk about Apple because Apple will re- be reporting earnings any minute now. I will let you know we are recording the show on Thursday Thursday, January 27th, the market just closed. So I'm going to give you the closing numbers for Thursday, January 27th. The Dow is down seven points at 34,160, but we had a significant rally and we sold off later in the day. The NASDAQ down 189 points at 13,352. The SP 500 down 23 at 4326. So for the week, again, this is Thursday. We've had four trading sessions. For the week, the Dow is not down that much, it's down point. 2%. The S&P 500 down 1.8%. The NASDAQ down 3%. And the Russell 2000 down 3.1%. But all the major averages, all of them are in correction mode. Correction mode means 10% or more. The NASDAQ composite down damn near 15% from the high. It's ugly. It's and ugly. And we are talking about from the high. We're talking from the high. Right. The year-to-date numbers are not good either because this really started after the first of the year. And we have a lot of things to be concerned about and head potential headwinds going forward. And first and foremost, we have the Federal Reserve because the Federal Reserve is not going to be printing money like it used to. It's not going to be all happy days are here again. That's Those days are over. The Fed has now, that they came from a dovish standpoint which is bullish yeah to a hawkish 
standpoint, which is basically bearish. So what is the Fed doing? Well, they've cut back their bond buying because they have basically artificially held rates at very low levels, historic low levels. But guess what, folks? That party's over. The Fed is who has been buying, had been buying, $120 billion worth of our government securities, which include mortgage backs, treasuries, and other types of government securities. They've been doing this for quite a long time. This is called QE, quantitative easing, uh, I don't know, Roman numeral X. We don't know. But it's a lot of quantitative easing. It has been for a long time. The Fed, that has been, they've had a couple tools. Buying back bonds that keep rates low and literally keeping the Fed funds rate at zero to 25 basis points. Now, the reason there's a range there because it does trade. All right, so it's zero to 25 basis points. What that means is the Fed funds rate is not your mortgage rate. It's not things that are based on your your car loans or credit cards. It's what banks charge each other for overnight lending. Right. So if I'm XYZ Stock Doctor Bank, and we did a huge loan today to uh, a municipality. And you needed the cash to cover it. And we need, we, we said, listen, let's make this loan, but we're going to be under our reserve amount overnight. So we would borrow from Justin Kenny Bank yep. overnight, and we'd pay them 0 to 25 basis points for that money. Right. That is what happens. So the Fed funds, when they stop their bond buying, which is going to stop in March, mm-hmm. they'll be done buying those bonds. And they've already said look for a rate hike, potentially four of them starting in March. So that party is over. And he also, at the press conference, hinted, you know, not only is he just full of aggressive approach, but he's also saying that he wouldn't rule out a rate hike for each of the seven FOMC meetings left in 2022. And I think that's kind of a spook in the market. Well, I mean, that was... That was pretty aggressive. It's well, it's not helping the market. It was <laughs> aggressive when he said four rate hikes. We hadn't heard right, that. Right. And, we hadn't heard and, that language. We heard two to three. ratcheting it up. Yeah. So now they're talking five, seven. I look, I think that he is just, again, trying to be as transparent as possible. So if it does happen, it's like the weathermen. The weathermen say, we have a 50% chance of rain. If it doesn't rain, they say, wait, I, I canceled my plans because you said 50. Well, I told you it's still 50% that it wasn't going to rain. Well, technically, with the weather person, it's that within your geographical region, 50% of that region is going to see rain. It's not that the chance of rain is 50%. They physically say chance of rain. But it's they geographical s- location. She does. Ha- she is rain. She is right. That means that there's, you know. But they say chance of rain. Y- yes, there's a 50% chance of rain. Yes. That means half of you guys are going to feel a raindrop. But anyway, let me ask you, Stock Doctor. Yes. Over the course of your career, and I know this is going to be shocking, but you've done this for more than a few years. Yes. Right. How many 50 basis point hikes have you seen? You see them. You've, last, seen, you've seen some. Sure. Yeah, it happens. Last last rate hike cycle, they'll start with a quarter, a quarter. Quarter, you know what, quarter. Let's get a little more aggressive, go 50 basis points. So my my feeling is that that chances are what we're, what we're hearing them talking about these, these hikes we're really kind of talking about 25 basis point hikes. Even if they did raise four times back to back, we're looking at one point. Right. And one full point. Look, it's going to affect folks that are trying to buy a house, car loans, your credit cards at a floating rates. It's going to affect those, those debts. Certainly, you're going to be paying more, and that's why the Fed is doing this. They want to try to stop some of the spending that's going on and cool the economy. And that will help to curb the red hot inflation as well exactly because you know we're 
inflation's red hot, GDP, our, our economy grew at an annualized 6.9% in the fourth quarter, way more than the 5.5% that was expected. And that's you know consumer activity and business spending that led those gains, which propelled the U.S. economy to its strongest full year since 1984, since the Reagan era. So this is something that the Fed, all this supply chains, a lot of this is causing it, yes. But they only have... I mean, they have several tools in their belt, but they they can really do some several variations of this. And the Fed is certainly not accommodative anymore. No, that ship has sailed. So we're in correction territory across the board. Ten percent downside means that's a definition, a textbook definition of a correction. All the major averages have done it. But even though the markets are down 10 percent from their highs, most stocks are down way more than that. We reported last week. That 40% of the NASDAQ, this is last week. Right. That was before the carnage in the last week or so. 40% of the NASDAQ stocks are down 50% or more. So let's talk about corrections and pullbacks because markets don't go straight up. And I think that you as an investor, you're spoiled. You think markets don't go down. Look, we all benefit from it. We are fee-based asset managers. All right. We get paid based on your success. For the most part. We so share in your we success. share in our clients' success. So when our clients do really well, guess what? We do really well as well. So we love it. Okay. But I do like this vol- market volatility. I do like it. It does, it does give us opportunity to own stocks. And we do have some listener questions. My my concern though is that people may be taking more risk than they should have. So now they're gonna see their some of their stocks down really, really large amounts of money and they weren't planning on it. So my concern is if you have reason to believe that maybe you're not in the right risk risk profile, I suggest you give us a call, 407-831-8002, 407-831-8002. Set a time to meet with us. Let's go over your portfolio. We do this for free, and if you decide you like what we, what we say, maybe you become a client. Yeah, and if, I mean, if you have happened to glance at your statements or looked online at your balances and you're losing sleep over it, it's something that's on your mind, Please give us a call. And I do want to point out also that this is one of the most common things that we run into is is that when the markets have done really well, people tend to take a little bit more risk to capitalize. And then when things turn around, they tend to suffer. And if you're worried that you're going to fall into that category, reach out. And don't just suffer in silence. Do not then go to cash and then try and get back in at all-time highs. We see people do consistently the wrong thing all the time trying to time the market is your biggest mistake you can make absolutely and getting out of it you you also have to pay the toll so listen we're going to talk about corrections we're going to talk about stocks that we will like this throughout the show we'll we'll throw out some ideas for you but again we would like to make sure that they're suitable for you but let's talk about corrections first of all a a traditional five percent pullback those typically based on history they occur three times a year so three times a year, you can expect that the market pulls back five times. 10%, which we are right now, correction mode, typically occur every 16 months. and takes about 140 days from peak to trough. But we haven't seen a 10% correction since March of 2020. I was going to say, yeah, and even then, it didn't take... It took way lot shorter than that. Right. We 22 saw, trading days to be down 30-something-odd percent. Right. This is, of course, it was unprecedented times, but... We saw a 5% pullback October of 21. So a 10% occurs every 16 months. A 15% occurs every three and a quarter years. A 20% bear market occurs 
every five and a half years. So every five and a half years, you have to assume that your equity portion of your portfolio, your stocks are going to go down about 20%. Yeah. And I mean, all past market declines look like opportunities and all future market declines just look like risk. So the question is, what do you do in this environment? Well, we have started to make a shift and we've been doing this for a few months now is that the growth stocks, because rates are going higher, seem to be getting repriced. That's what's happening. So they're getting repriced. So we are looking more at the quality stocks that have dividends. I think dividends are going to pay a, play a huge part in your total return, you want to look for the stocks that have reported really good earnings and maybe have gone down after really good earnings. And to me, that's an opportunity. Look, we are waiting for Apple earnings. They're going to be out anytime now, and we'll report them when they do come out. But Microsoft had a good quarter. They reported earnings earlier this week, and they were very strong. They had 20% plus growth on sales and earnings. They're, they widened their margins to 27%, and they guided higher. Yeah, they raised guidance, still got clobbered. And this is the Titanic of companies. And this is the second, third largest company in the world. And they are still growing their earnings at tremendous, tremendous rate. So, look. I think Microsoft is a steal here at these levels. I think so, too. Anything you look at Microsoft around these 300 level or below, I think you're, you're getting an opportunity here. So, um, you know, we are looking here for Apple earnings. We'll get those right back to you as soon as we find out what's going on with their earnings. But we'll talk more about Home Depot, NVIDIA, Costco, Eli Lilly. We're going to come up with some ideas that we think may be suitable for you. And, uh, again, we want to make sure that you know they're suitable for you. So you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Stick around. We're coming right back. know most people give up on their new year's resolutions in less than 30 days if your 2022 goals include making and saving more money you can't afford to give up i'm lee seiler the stock doctor from seiler wealth management my team and i can help get professional insight to market challenges and key investment opportunities schedule a free consultation where we can find custom ways to grow your finances in the new year call 888-855-2855 or visit stock dr.com today for a free consultation. I'm Justin Kenny, and I've been working in financial services for over 20 years now and in fee-based asset management for the last decade. The beauty of what we do here at Siler Wealth Management is that we are always committed to our clients' best interests. We don't have any proprietary products that make us a ton of money. We communicate with our clients to ensure your investment objectives and risk tolerance are still where they were the last time we met. I want to talk with you about your goals and assist you with the choices that will help you sleep better at night. Call me, ask for Justin at 888-855-2855 to discuss how Siler Wealth Management can help you meet your goals. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. Right here in the Florida Man Radio Network. We are playing Love Love This Group. I know. I know you like them better with Sammy, the Sammy era. I, I can't say better. I can't say better. I didn't get into them until around 1986, which is when Sammy joined the band. Now, the first album that I bought was 1984, though. Okay. So, you know. We're speaking, of course, uh, I was Dancing Away by Van Halen, one of yeah. my favorite bands of all time. Happy birthday, Eddie. Eddie. 
Eddie, who uh, passed away last year. Yeah, his birthday was Wednesday. Yeah. What, he was gonna be 26th. Like 60, 67. I thought 66, 67. Okay. Yep. Yeah. What a, he is a legend. He's the greatest. Uh, he, he is the GOAT. Yeah. To me, at least, for sure. Speaking of GOATs, Robin Hood reported earnings. <laughs> and I, I, I don't mean greatest of all time either. No. I like, mean the screaming goat. Oh, like, my like God. That, like that naggy old goat that's tied up behind the fence. You know, we, we, we make fun so, of Robin Hood yeah. quite a bit. And and uh, I know you're watching this closely, Jared. So we were talking about this during the during the commercial break. Uh, so Robin Hood's, they're just they're just not doing very good. It's not good in the hood. <laughs> uh, but it, it's... They, By the way, hood, making, it's, it's... Yeah, hood, they're simple as hood. Simple as hood. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, but they have tanked after hours, so they are down 15% after hours um, wow. today, and they're trading at $9.61 at the moment. So their forecast, they are declining on average users on a monthly basis. Month over month, they were use, average users are going down. So that's obviously not a good sign for Robinhood. And you look at it, and it, it kind of goes back to the pandemic when people were trading when everything's up. Right. Well, people stop trading when they when when they're losing too. Yeah. And you know when you look at the stock, it came out came public last year in July at thirty eight dollars a share, ran to near a hundred, you know, ninety or so, um, and has just absolutely gone precipitously. This has been an absolute abomination. We knew, and I think collectively, this is something. And we, you know, we. We don't agree on everything all the time, but this is something we clearly agreed upon that this was the biggest piece of junk IPO because we're I'm not saying we're in the, this business because we're not, but we do manage money for a living and we handle accounts and we realize that there are some profitable situations and non-profitable situations. We know that if your average account size in our business, we would be broke if our average account size was forty five hundred dollars. Right. We'd be broke. Hence, Robinhood's average account size, 4500 Can you imagine how many clients you would have to have in order to just make a living? <laughs> no. Not eat dirt? No. Oof. No. They'd be, you'd be dirt eating. Mm. That's all you can do. Well, you know, look, we don't know if the market's going in a bear market right now. Certainly, things like Robinhood are in a bear market. Remember, there's 20% or more, and stocks can be in their own bear market. And so we don't know if a bear market is coming. I don't think it is because the economy is still running pretty hot. We're trying to slow the economy. I don't see a recession in sight anytime soon. Not to mention we have a really tight labor market. Exactly. So there are a lot more jobs out there than people willing to take them. The fundamentals look sound. Sure. And that's why I don't think we have a bear market. I think this is just a blip in an upward primary trend. So I'm looking at several stocks that are trading right around or just below that their 200-day uh, moving average, which is usually a good line of support. And you know these are stocks that... We either own, I'll, I'll disclose that we own them or not, but um, Home Depot, I do not currently own. But I look at a stock like HD, and that has come down from 420 down to 350 right at the 200-day moving average. Again, these stocks I'm about to mention are not recommendations necessarily, but we'd like for you to come in and talk to us about it. So call the office, 407-831-8002, and let's discuss and see if they're suitable for you, and let's put a portfolio together for you. And I do want to stress that that when you do make that call, oftentimes, you know, we're not going to be in the week in the office on the weekend. Leave us a message, and we will get back to you. Absolutely. You Leave know? us at the voicemail. We'll, we'll get there on, on Sunday, because we are airing Saturday in the Panhandle, and here's Sunday. Right. As we're recording the show Thursday afternoon, the 27th. Um, yes. You can also always throw us an email, feedback, feedback. at stockdr.com. Yep. Right. Yep. We will follow up with you. NVIDIA, I, I love the stock, and there's going to be a couple others we're going to talk about, but I mean Costco, C-O-S-T, that trades on the NASDAQ. 
it's near its 200-day moving average off of a 571 high, trading at 480. I mean, these are stocks that are sound companies. Now, Costco hasn't reported yet. They report a little bit later in the cycle. But um, again, if they come out with great earnings, could be a great opportunity. So um, They had a bang-up 2021. They absolutely did. And they think about it. They, the stock did great. They had record earnings and sales. And I got to tell you, first of all, Costco, I love the store. Going in there on a weekend is an absolute nightmare. Oh, the place is a zoo. It's a nightmare. So you hear the music. I can see the arms up in the air. They're swaying back and forth. Good job, Jared. You're finally in, in the right timing. It is time for our millennial moment with our megalennial miss, Nikki Ward. <laughs> okay. I cut your music Skirt. off. I, I honestly don't mind it. Just Oh. Uh, I was really upset about it. I cut your music off. Jared has definitely got the dance moves for radio. He does. All right. So shares of Tesla slid today, Thursday. Uh, I want to say that they were, they dropped 8%. They were down 30% from the record high in November. And they were all set right before market close for the biggest one-day percentage fall since setting that record high in November. Wow. Which is odd because they just came off an incredibly strong quarterly report. It did come with a supply chain warning, not something we weren't all expecting. Right. But Musk, shockingly, I know, is back on his BS, claiming his sci-fi dream of a humanoid robot that doesn't exist is the most important product development Tesla's doing this year. I'm sorry. I, I dislike him. I know you do. I, I mean, again, I own the stock personally. We own it for clients. I, I, I own it despite him, though. I, yeah. I really just dislike him. Do you like Tesla at this? Or just at a, I, I do think, you like Tesla at this level? I think it's going to be an awesome opportunity at these levels, eight hundred and change. I don't know the idea of 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 Tesla having this product of of a robot. Was this like a concierge for your house? I, I mean, is that the? <laughs> no, I, I want to know. I want to understand. It, no, where, think, maybe one day, but I think, I think what it's he's tongue in cheek. It could be, and he's also, you know, this is not his first crazy product idea. Yeah. That never came to fruition, but I think that his idea is kind of similar along the lines of Amazon in the sense of, well, one day if you walk into a Tesla factory, it's just going to be this humanoid robot putting parts together within the factory. Aren't these the same guys that warn us that that AI is going to take over and yeah, kill of off all the humans? Of course. The conspiracy theory, I think he's still just manipulating his stock price. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and it's what's crazy though is the hotly anticipated Cybertruck first slated for 2021. The semi-truck and next-generation Roadster, both originally set to launch in 2020, will have to wait until 2023, and then they'll hopefully put that as a priority within their product development. But this bot that doesn't exist, he thinks, is going to be, it's going to earn him more down the line than a vehicle ever will. Well, I, I saw that GMs coming out their Silverado electric vehicle, yeah. and of course Ford, the F-150, Lightning. There's going to be some a little bit of a crowded space there. They had to stop taking i think it's reservations for the maverick ford because they'd hit their constraints wow yeah so maverick that's the mustang no the the maverick is that little crossover truck hybrid okay. situation it's a good looking little truck but okay. you know they can only build so many of them so back to tesla though 2021 was the company's second year finishing in the black fourth quarter brought in a record windfall turning a 2.3 billion dollar profit Significant improvement over last year's fourth quarter profit of just $270 million. Sales rose 65% to $17.7 billion from 
$10.7 billion a year ago. And Tesla reported a 27.4% gross margin compared with 266 in the previous quarter. Everything looks a go. They delivered more cars than they ever have. 87% increase over 2020 when they first had their annual profit. That's all good stuff. It's all great stuff. Great stuff. And the guy at the helm is... Is just a nut job. He's pulling back the idea of building affordable cars, them being an auto manufacturer, and and sort of throwing out there, just winging it out there. You know what? I you know what we need? Robots, baby. Tesla bot. We need robots. Who doesn't want a robot? Someone put that man on mute. Yeah, exactly. Morgan Stanley says that Tesla is an EV cash machine now. I mean, they're generating loads of cash. If there wasn't a supply chain issue with the chips. Uh, you know, whole, everything would be way different. I think you're, you're, this is one of those disconnections we talk about, Nick. Mm-hmm. I think. I, you know, I, I own it. I do have skin in the game. We own it for clients. I own uh, it. And the stock is down from the high. Um, I, I think these levels that below eight, geez, below 900 is going to be an unbelievable opportunity if, you can, if it's suitable, if the risk, you can take the heat because certainly it's, it's a tough one. Absolutely. And I think that EVs aren't going anywhere. This is no. just the beginning. Right. All right. Well, that's Nikki Ward with her millennial moment on Tesla. So more of the story is, Nick. Don't listen to anything Elon Musk says. Okay. Like buy Dogecoin? The proof is in the pudding. Hey, we have a, we actually have some, we were waiting for this, some breaking news that came out. Say my name. This just in. Yeah, say it. (laughs) This just in. We have some breaking news. And um, Apple has reported and uh, here, go ahead, Jared. You you you're kind of following right now. No, you're good. So they they beat um they beat on revenue. Um, the EPS there was two dollars and ten cents versus one dollar eighty nine cent. Oh, sorry, they beat on EPS too. Um, two dollars and ten cents is what they reported versus one dollar and eighty nine cents estimated. And then revenue they beat pretty well. It was one hundred twenty three point nine billion reported and uh, versus one hundred eighteen point six six billion estimated. So that's about a, their revenue is up eleven percent. Um, despite supply chain concerns. Okay. Well, they're going to be doing their conference call, but the stock was down slightly today. I mean, we're talking pennies. It's down 47 cents. It is, the good news is, trading up a few points after hours. They should be. I I give no importance to what happens after hours. It It doesn't matter. That's really a good point because I've seen some just disastrous things happen. Yeah. Unless it's Netflix. Netflix, yeah. <laughs> that was just a warning. Uh, there's been disastrous after hours where think, like Microsoft was down after hours, 25 mm-hmm. bucks, and then it traded up. Yep. You know, you got to wait till the conference call comes out. But uh, that's what I'm, I'm anxious to hear because it looks like they might have missed on iPad revenues, but overall, it's still like a 21 cent beat. You know, overall earnings per share, and I'm wondering if that had anything to do with this with the supply chain. You know, maybe but we'll I think see. It's I mean, probably we'll very likely. But, you know, stocks are trading up after hours. So I'm so sick of hearing about the supply chain. I know. Do you like, uh, just going back on this training topic, do you like Apple at 162? I do. Now, we own it. It's our number one holding. But we own it way cheaper than this. Right. So, to, to me, to go out, maybe for somebody who doesn't own it, I would do it. I wouldn't average up here because we have such low cost basis. I mean, people own it 11 100%. to 13, 14, 15, 18 dollars. So I'm not going to average up here. But if somebody came in and said, I'd like to own Apple yeah. for the long term, I think it's it's going to be probably better than market returns over time. Likely. Over time. So that's uh, Apple reporting earnings. You know, Texas Instruments also reported earnings 8Q4. And, you know, you don't hear much about TXN anymore. I mean, literally, 
they are a major player in the semiconductors, and they are still a $161 billion company. It's They're crazy. no... It's a lot of TI-83 calculators. Was, right. That blew my mind. I was like, wait, I thought we were done with them once we left high school, or just any calculus they class in college, you're, too. You're never going to have a calculator in your pocket. Oh, yeah. Th- thanks, teachers. We showed them, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, hey, Apple. You know, they had, a, uh, they had a pretty good quarter, though. They beat across the board. Uh, however... The stock has not done that great, and it continues to not perform that well. So it was down today a little bit. You know, let's see. Maybe, you know, it may take. You had Microsoft with good earnings. You had Apple with good earnings. Those are the, the main players in this market. We'll see if uh, if that can maybe put a, a short-term low here or maybe try and get the market to form a bottom. But um, speaking of trying to form a bottom, one of the stocks I know, Nikki, that you like, uh, DraftKings, DKNG, there was a, an upgrade by Morgan Stanley recently. Now, look, the stock has not done great lately, but... That's an understatement. I was, yeah. But they put a price target at $31. It's 60% from where it is right now. And I just oh, don't... I, certainly, I think that this kind of being thrown out, the baby with the bathwater. Yeah. Because I think that you're going to see some reports in their quarterly reports when it comes out, which is about two weeks from now. They're going to be probably better than expected, I would think. I mean, DraftKings is a leading market share player in what will be a very, very large profitable market. So I'm not worried about it in the long run. Yep. When we come back, we have listener questions. We're talking about Netflix and uh, somebody out there thinks Netflix is an opportunity. We're going to talk about Boeing. I know, uh, Jared, you want to talk about Boeing, what's going on there and much, much more. We'll talk about some financial planning ideas, some more stock ideas. Give us a call, 407-831-8002. That's 407-831-8002. We could talk about your portfolio off the air in the office. You are listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. Hi, I'm Nikki Ward. If you'd like to work with a powerful female financial advisor that's legally bound to do what's in your best interest and will work with you to create a detailed financial plan that reflects your goals and risk tolerance, give me, Nikki Ward, a call at 888-855-2855 or shoot me an email at nikki at stockdr.com. Do your resolutions for 2022 include making and saving more money? I can't predict the future, but I can help offer you new opportunities. The new year also means you're another year closer to retirement. Make one of your 2022 goals to have a professional help navigate the market challenges and find great investment opportunities. I'm Lee Seiler, the stock doctor from Seiler Wealth Management. My team and I would be honored to meet with you and find ways to develop your finances in the new year. Call us at 888-855-2855 or visit us online at stockdr.com. Welcome back, everybody. I had to play some more Van Halen. I think we should always play Van Halen. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription, and we are aired on the Florida Man Radio Network. With more markets to come, we appreciate it. Appreciate everybody listening to the show. If you like what we hear, you'd like to talk to somebody off the air, feel free to give us a call, 
800-500-8002. We can discuss your portfolio. We could do it by phone, and if it makes sense, let's set up a meeting here in Central Florida or the Panhandle. So uh, all you do is call the office, 407-831-8002, and talk to any one of the advisors. You can ask for me, Justin, Nikki, or Jared, and um, chances are somebody else is going to answer the phone, but they'll put you on with us. So we have some listener questions, so why don't we jump to that right now. Uh, let's see here. Bonnie from Sanford. Bonnie from Sanford asks, uh, she says, I've seen my portfolio drop since the beginning of the year. I'm a long-term investor and 60 years old. I still work but plan to retire around 65. What can I do to protect my positions as I get closer to retirement age? That is a really, really good question because it's a very common question, a common situation. And basically, as you get closer to that magic number, which yours is, is 65, five years away, you shouldn't be 100% exposed to the stock market. In fact, at this stage, you should probably be in a balanced portfolio, 60-40, 50-50-ish, okay? Then, what? and your fixed income's a whole other problem. We talked about rates going up, so fixed income's gonna be a problem. So the your typical advisor is not gonna really know what to do fixed income-wise because your traditional bond funds are not gonna work. In fact, you're likely to lose money. Dead. Yeah, you, you could lose money there. So. Um, what you want to do is we will we talk strategy with you, but some of the things you can do to prevent some downside, there is buffered ETFs that we use and we like quite a bit. I mean, you can get a 10% downside protection. You can get a 25% downside protection, and then it will vary on your upside potential based on which one you select. So I think that's a really good addition to pretty much anyone's portfolio that has is, is a little bit more risk averse. Yep, It's tied to the S&P. Yeah, tidy S&P. There's several out there now. You could do NASDAQ 100. Yeah, it's a brave new world, isn't it? It is. I mean, but you can get a 25% protection. It's this. It basically equates to a 30-70 portfolio. And that's pretty good stuff. Well, for Bonnie in particular at this age, that would be a portfolio that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So if she has full stock market risk at this age, and a lot of people out there listening probably do and are in similar circumstances, reach out to us. Yeah. So, Bonnie, give us a call. Let's... Uh, be more specific and talk about your personal situation. So Netflix reported earnings uh, late last week. They had really pretty good earnings. They, they beat on the top and bottom lines. Uh, everything looked pretty good, except they even beat on the quarters, current quarter's subscriptions. But they warned the subscriptions would be significantly lower than what previously anticipated or analysts had been expecting. So the stock gapped down 20% plus. However, the good news is uh you know the stock is is down below 400 now and Pershing Square's Bill Ackman he revealed Wednesday this is this uh, yesterday that he purchased more than 3.1 million shares of Netflix following the steep sell off he started buying it on Friday of last week so he is now a top 20 largest shareholder so he absolutely believes this is per his quote that the opportunity to acquire Netflix at an attractive valuation emerged when investors reacted negatively to the recent quarter's subscriber growth and management's short-term guidance. Ackman said in a letter, said Netflix's substantial stock price decline was further exuberated, uh, exacerbated by recent market volatility. They still have, they're still raising rates for their subscription services. They are. 
um, which will help their bottom line. I l- actually like Netflix right now because they said they don't think they're going to have the subscribers that they have in the future or that have in the past, which is probably right. I mean, you can't, you can only have so many subscribers. There's a finite amount. Right. But realistically, if they beat next quarter, they will probably be probably trade way higher because people are like, oh, we, we forecasted the fall of Netflix, but it's not happening. Maybe because it's uh, I'm fresh off of the last episode of the most recently dropped Ozarks, but I think this is a buy-in window opportunity. I Netflix. agree. I, you look, we own a little bit of Netflix, and we own it higher levels. It was a small position, and I'm looking to buy more. Uh, again, it's not for the faint of heart, but I think we're buying the stock at a discount we probably aren't going to see again for quite a long time. That's what I think about Netflix. Again, this is not a recommendation. Uh, this is not something they say you go out and buy it without talking to somebody and making sure that it's suitable for you. Now, out of curiosity, so basically they beat, they beat bottom, they beat top, they, they, yeah. they, they, they turn their earnings every way but loose. And then what drug them down was the prospect of they've just basically gotten everybody. Yeah, first quarter, they, they were expecting what, 8 million subs? And they yep. ended up like, and they had it. They, they predicted 2 million and change. So, yeah, moving forward, they're guessing that they'll have about two and a half million subscribers for the first quarter. So quarterly two and a half million Mm -hmm. going forward. Keep in mind, Netflix is notoriously always uh, under promising and over delivering. This is they've made a a career out of that. I like it. I think they could just could see a huge pop up. I think the bar is low right now. Not to mention they have a track record of proving that every time you think you've got them figured out, if whether they're a DVD by mail subscription model, they pivot. Their back isn't against the wall. They are definitely great at staying relevant. They're inno- they're innovators sure. in that space. You know, but I, I look. I, I I saw some things last week. They're saying that Netflix should have gone out and bought Activision Blizzard because they're trying to kind of beef up that gaming side of things in Netflix. And they said, why didn't Netflix go out and make this purchase? It was ninety five billion dollars? Uh, I'm sorry, sixty sixty some billion dollars. Sixty nine. Sixty nine billion dollars. They could have done that. Okay, I got I got a rebuttal. So Microsoft can afford to swing and a miss on this, as far as that would be a big deal for Netflix to swing and miss. Yeah, right. This is, this is not not to be mention Netflix also is spending exponentially on content. Right. That is what their distribution is is content, and they are constantly putting out new stuff. I don't think that they have the kind of not leverage, but like just the literally the cash on hand to go out and yeah, buy I Activision. I want Netflix to spend their money on content. I don't want them to spend it on video games. Uh, I mean, well, that's for you. There's a new beat. For me personally, it, me well, too. if they did, it would give me that final coffin nail for GameStop, though. I mean, it already it should already happen. But no, that Activision, Call of Duty is the biggest, probably the biggest gaming um, More than game. Madden? Yes. I thought Madden was the biggest one out there. Okay. No, not anymore. Okay. But so I... They would not be a. That would not be a. It would. Let me see what it's I'm trying to say. It's not Candy here. Crush. It's not Candy Crush. <laughs> I think it, Microsoft it, it hit would a, home be a huge run. home run. And plus, as far as like it's just a game, there's come up with a new one pretty much every six to eight months to a year. And don't get me wrong, I think that gaming is something that all of these content distributors need to be investing in. That is the future direction. But Microsoft also has the Xbox One. Like it makes a lot more sense as long as Uncle Sam lets that merger go and through. I'm so out of touch. Yeah, I don't know any of that. <laughs> she said Xbox One. I have no clue what you're talking about. So anyway, so Netflix. Uh, look, it, it was up today nicely on the news. Um, I, I think anytime there's some weakness down here, if you don't own it or if you you want to start a position, certainly understand that maybe you buy a half position. That's what we did. 
and then you see what happens. And if it drops, be prepared to buy another high. Because look, no one's going to be able to guess the the low here. And is it going to form a bottom? A bottom bottoms take time to form. So, you know, I think at these levels, it's probably going to be a. I, I'd say it could be a home run. I think it's I a great point too yeah. to buy half the position. Sure. Yeah, because nobody knows what's going to happen. Anyway, so um, we'll see what happens here. I think, but it's this is a hold for a few quarters. Oh, yeah, this is the long game. Yeah, this is this is not a rental. You got to own this yeah. one. You got to own it for the long term. Uh, let's talk about Boeing. I know it's a stock that you like, Jared, and that's B A. So um, Boeing post their third annual straight loss in a row. And that's because their Dream Liner 787 is just absolutely costing them a fortune. Took a hit of $5.5 billion. They're having production problems that prevented Boeing from delivering these 787 Dreamliners. And uh, it's been a, a hassle for a delay for 15 months. So they ended up taking a $3.5 billion charge in the fourth quarter because of the 787 delays. Yeah, it still doesn't. Re- Every time I say something about Boeing, I almost shoot myself in the foot. It always ends up having a short, short-term downtrend. But I still like it for the long term. If they can get this Dreamliner figured out, the Max Thirty Seven is going up in deliveries. It's performing pretty well. Um, if the Dreamliner can figure it out, which I think they they will, it's it's uh, smooth sailing ahead. But I, I guys. But you know, your point is though, Jared. And I, this is what I think is that if they weren't having these problems. You wouldn't be able to buy Boeing at one hundred eighty nine dollars a share. Right, Definitely it would be three hundred eighty nine dollars a share. So again, these problems eventually will get worked out. We don't know when. I've said it before. I will say it again. They are one of two in the space. There is no way that this company is going out of business. No, no way. And now here's the other thing I look at is the seven three seven, which was their problem child, has generated cash for Q four. So that's a good thing. And China which is a key customer for Boeing and uh, the first country, by the way, to ground that 737 MAX, the Max after right. the second crash last month moved closer to lifting its ban on the plane. So if China can jump on and start ordering some planes, I think that th- this, look, despite the numbers, but they're, they're hemorrhaging cash. But you could see a stock trying to bottom here and maybe, maybe see it back up in that mid-twos. I agree, but I'm, I'm looking to buy some more at these prices. All right, well, that's Boeing. And again, these are stocks. Look, Boeing is a, a an old-line industrial company that has has had done well over the years, and now they're struggling. And again, I think Nikki's point that there's really basically two. I mean, McDonnell Douglas makes some too, but I mean, really, it's, it's Airbus. And Boeing. And Boeing. So, all right, we only have a few minutes left. Let's talk about uh, the ARC funds because they're getting a lot of a lot of publicity these days. Uh, we're talking Kathy Wood. You can't argue with her conviction. Um, she can't argue with her conviction. But there's something to be said about catching a falling knife. She She's well documented. She had a bad year in 21 after having several good years in a row. But this year, her flagship fund, the ARK-K, A-R-K-K, is down 25% so far this year and had significant outflows, although there may be light at the end of the tunnel because you said there maybe there were some inflows this week. Yeah, so the Tuttle Capital Short Innovation ETF, the snarkiest ETF on the street, yes. SARC, launched late last year, and it's the inverse of all of her holdings within ARKK. So, I mean, they saw their largest single-day net inflow on Tuesday, taking in $92 million of new cash, perhaps from liquidating ARKK positions. And I mean, since the fund's debut in November, it has risen 61%. And as of Wednesday, 
Arc Innovation has plunged 43%. It's like the George Costanza day. Yeah. <laughs> Anything he thought he'd say yes to or do, he does the opposite. Just do the opposite, and it really worked out for him, you know? He's also seen some uh, some Sark leverage funds appearing, which are doing absolutely astronomical tell. this year. We're not even going to tell people about that. Hey, we really appreciate you guys joining us this afternoon. We'll be back next week right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Give us a call at the office. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. Have a great week.